Kia ora and welcome to this episode of Better Off Red. My name is Pip Adam. This is episode 57. Um, so last week I was part of um, Book Club, which is an event that um, Emily Perkins um, organises as part of the um, City Gallery Tuatara Open Late event. Um, it's a magnificent event. Um, we get to go to the gallery after hours and um, there was music and food and lots of wonderful things and one of the wonderful things um, was this great discussion um, on several books and one of the books was The Interregnum which is edited by Morgan Godfrey and published by Bridget Williams Books. Um, I was very taken by this book, I just found it fantastic and amazing and I was very grateful um, when I contacted Morgan, he said he was willing to sit down and have a chat with me simply about this fantastic book. So um, the book is um, published as one of the BWB texts um, series. Um, so this, these books are billed as short books on big subjects by great New Zealand writers. Um, so the interregnum, um, it says, interrogates the future from the perspective of the generation who will shape it. So it's a, um, it's a collection of essays which are really beautifully brought together under this idea of the interregnum, which Morgan explains. And yeah, it's, it's just a fantastic book. Um, uh, Morgan Godfrey is a writer and trade unionist who's based in Wellington. Um, he is an online columnist for Overland Literary Journal in Australia and a regular book reviewer for Fairfax. Um, his writing regularly appears in The Guardian and The Herald. He also appears on radio and television as a political commentator and has authored several academic chapters and lectured extensively on Māori politics. Um, he graduated in law from Victoria University in 2015. You may have also read Morgan's writing in the spin-off and um, he sometimes um, writes for E Tangata as well. So yes, he's incredibly talented and um, yeah, I was just very excited to talk to him about this book. Um, I think the first thing you're going to hear is me reading the first opening paragraphs of Morgan's introduction to the interregnum, just to give you an idea of sort of the um, context for the book. So yes, I hope you enjoy it and thank you very much Morgan and thanks a lot. The interregnum. One. The Voices of a New Generation by Morgan Godfrey Stick close, mutters a breathless activist. We're almost at Wellesley Street. Roaming activists are moving from choke point to choke point in central Auckland, blocking roads in the city. This is a TPP-free zone, someone roars. Police come round the nearest corner. Here, sit down, sit down, says a middle-aged man dressed in black as the activists scramble to the middle of the intersection. Horns are blasting, probably in frustration rather than support, and more police begin arriving in squads. Officers in high-visibility vests circle the activists, though none seems willing to make a move. Journalists are the first to break the invisible line, pressing both sides on what they might do next. We are going to keep the blockade going, answers one activist, while the police seem content to play cat and mouse as the street is paralysed. Few cars are making it through the blockades and bus drivers are on strike for the day so the only thing moving on Queen Street is a protest body more than 15,000 strong. Okay, so um, thank you. Hello Morgan. Hello. How Hello. are you? I'm good, I'm good. It's really good to have you here. Thank you so much for popping up. It's really good. We're in this very non-distinct university 
building, which seems right. Yeah, <laughs> at least it's warm though. This is much better than outside. <laughs> yes, much better than outside. No open air um, recording today. Um, I We are here today to talk about the Interregnum, which is subtitled Rethinking New Zealand, um, which you edited. Um, and it was 2016, eh? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's part of the um, BWB sort of text, which um, the series which fits so nicely together sort of thinking about New Zealand and, and, you know, certain issues in New Zealand. Um, I guess to start off with, I just wondered if you would be willing to explain what the interregnum is. Like, you do a beautiful job in the book, but I just wonder offhand if you'd be willing to explain that. Yeah, it's a real um, ambiguous one, uh, because it's really a moment, and no one really knows what the content of that moment is. It's just this, uh, I guess, the time between the death or decay of the current or old system and the birth of this new system, whatever that is. Um, so the interregnum's kind of everything in between that. <laughs> <laughs> um, from, you know, the protests to the books to the songs um, and everything else. They used to, you know, interregnum used to refer to, back in the old days, you know, the, the, the time between the death of um, a monarch and the crowning of a new one. Whereas now it's kind of used in a more sort of explicitly political sense or democratic sense um, in, in terms of, you know, that gap between this one democratic system and the next, or this one doesn't even have to be democratic, mm-hmm. actually, this one political system and the next. Uh, so I guess, yeah, that's the... That's the interregnum, a very sort of non-committal answer. <laughs> I like that. I like um, one of my um, favourite things about this book is the fact that it doesn't, um, it doesn't come down hard often. And I really, I think that is so refreshing in political writing. You know, like it, 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 it is strong in what it voices, but it doesn't feel the need to kind of slam down. Um, there's even, I mean, even the way that you explain neoliberalism and your. Um, uh, in the introduction is so good because it's sort of talking more about a, a process of unfolding in a history mm, rather mm, than a mm. definition, no? Yeah, yeah, I, I guess, it, I, or at least what I was trying to, to do was kind of speak more to how people actually experience neoliberalism um, rather than kind of the more sort of, you know, free market definitions. Uh, but the book itself is quite interesting in that it is a kind of a soft read and I think it's a soft read because it's a reflection of its particular moment. Like this mm. was before um, Trump became president. It was before Brexit. It was before um, even Jacinda Ardern. Uh, so that was I, that. I think that's one reason why it's kind of, uh, I guess, less hard than it otherwise would have been if we had written it this year or mm. even last year. Mm. Um, because, you know, when it came out in 2016, very early 2016, I think it was January, February, um, things were looking uncertain but positive. <laughs> like, you know, like 2016 might have been a good year, mm. um, and it definitely wasn't, and 2017 <laughs> wasn't, and 2018 looks pretty bad too. Um, so I think th- that was the reason why there was a bit, I guess, optimism. Mm. Um, there because it's very much a reflection of its time um, but interesting and kind of some of the things it looks ahead to have kind of panned out as well <laughs> a lot of the bad things uh, some of the good things but mostly the bad it's so true and like because the context of it does seem to start in the sort of um, anti-TPPA movement doesn't it like mm. that's where your introduction starts doesn't it yeah 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 that, that's an interesting one because 
events haven't entirely panned out in the way that um, perhaps I wrote about them. Um, because when the current government um, said we're going to commit to this new sort of CTPP, whatever they're calling it, <laughs> um, when we they said we're going to commit to this, and there wasn't the same, um, how do I put it, energy mm. as there was before. There was a you know a backlash, and there was all that, um, but there wasn't the same. There wasn't the same street movement. There wasn't the same strength of criticism and strength of feeling. Um, despite it very much being the same deal, uh, which was quite interesting because I thought in the context of if we're going to call now an interregnum, I thought it was interesting because it showed that, you know, you can easily take the energy and the momentum out of this thing as well. Um, you know, it's not all just fireworks and mm. protests and marches. Um, you know, it can very easily be, you know, a sort of top-down process where people kind of feel excluded, and if they feel excluded, they're going to act excluded too. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I just think the book is so... Um, I just... That's why I'm really grateful for you coming today because I just feel like I just want to push this book on everybody at the moment <laughs> because I think where, where we are now in these, gosh, you know, like two short years, um, I think that, yeah, I think some of that optimism might be useful right now perhaps or just just the ideas in it are so good and I think some of them perhaps got lost a little in the last election because Mm. I think a few people breathed out a little bit when maybe we shouldn't have breathed out I don't know oh gosh um can you talk a little bit about how the book came about like um what did did um the publisher contact you or was it an idea you had or yeah can you talk a little bit about how it came about yeah it was an idea um I had and I was intending to write it myself but after thinking about it I thought well you know you can find my voice pretty much everywhere (laughs) (laughs) and it doesn't need to be amplified in this way and is it really as valuable for me to speak to you know this particular moment or a community of um, essentially people who are who are the same generation um, and who are my peers so I thought that was a far more useful thing to do because then we could do things like um, we approached Holly and uh, Lamia to talk about what it's actually like to just live now. Uh, what are their lives like um, under the current system? So, you know, Holly and Lamia spoke really movingly mm-hmm. about their experiences. Um, Holly in Parliament, um, Lamia, you know, is kind of uh, a displaced person, um, a displaced person, yet also, a, you know, a rooted person. Mm-hmm. Um, so she spoke about, you know, being. Uh, Bangladeshi and a New Zealander and an American, um, which was a really interesting kind of reflection of uh, today's more globalised world, um, which has always been an ideal, but Alamia's life, you know, wasn't um, wasn't always, uh, you know, the the sort of perfect ideal that people used to have in their minds about what it would mean to, you know, live in a borderless world. Um, so we did that, and then we approached people like Max. Actually, how do we kind of think our way out of this? What kind of principles? Uh, or values will we look to? So Max did the politics of love. And then we went for the more kind of discursive stuff as well, which I uh, I guess mine is sort of a halfway example of that. And uh, Andrew's mm. is probably the best example of that more kind of sort of discursive, not dispassionate, mm. um, but sort of one step removed analysis of what's happening um, at the moment. And he used the um, Eleanor Catton example. 
very, very well of what happens, um, not just when a, uh, a writer speaks, but what happens when a woman speaks. Mm. Uh, so that was really interesting as well. So I thought that was you know, far more valuable to have you know, kind of us speaking rather than just sort of me speaking. I think, I think that that is just one of the things that I love about this so much is the fact that it does feel like this community voice and like it does, the, the essays kind of um, speak to each other as well. Like it's almost, what's that saying? Like it's bigger than the sum of its parts, you mm. know what I mean? Like mm. there's a bigger conversation that comes through the conversations that sort of come through the different essays and I just think, yeah, like that stepping aside and amplifying those voices. Did you... Were these people in your communities that you knew, or how did how did you how did you find the right you know how did you find the people that are yeah in yeah uh, most of them I I knew on a personal level, uh, and the others I knew of mm. um, because you know everyone who's in the book, uh, they're people who are pretty active um, as activists as academics, um, as people in the public sphere. Um, so this was a matter of really saying okay we're all already doing this. Let's kind of do it together um, mm. and see what we come out with. There wasn't really um, any explicit direction at the beginning. It was more of a kind of let's just speak to what it's like uh, to, you know, to be living, to be active today. Um, and then we kind of <laughs> came out with this. Yeah, because yeah. it's just such an incredible... Um, that's what I was thinking as well, like the editing process you've just done such a good job of editing it because it you can feel a light touch you know you can feel that there is sort of some kind of um like ordering um i was going to use that horrible word curating but you know like you can feel (laughs) you can feel the sense that um you know there's some thought in the order that things come in and you know and i'm just wondering what was the editing process like for you like yeah what yeah 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 um i approached it uh lightly to begin with but um bw's editing process is pretty vigorous (laughs) (laughs) some editors are a little bit harsher than others um so you know the book would go through me um then it would go through someone at bwb then it would go to like its final kind of um final sign off and each step for for the writers themselves um is actually pretty difficult because you're having um, lots of different people look at your work, um, and often, and it's hard to you know edit these kind of things because you can't really contest what people have lived through. Um, so you can't really, <laughs> you can't say to someone like <laughs> Chloe, "I think you're being too strong here." Yeah, um, that would be like sort of totally unacceptable. <laughs> or you can't can't say to people like sort of Holly, "I think this or that." Mm. You know, inter- interpreting her own life for her. Um, so a difficult one to edit, but I don't really think it needed um, that much editing uh, in the end anyway, mm. um, because you don't really want to sort of package people's, um, not just their lives, but you don't really want to package people's writing either. Um, it feels really artificial, and it's, this isn't the kind of book where that sort of, where that um, is an appropriate thing to do or even or a good thing to do because mm. that was another really enjoyable thing about it is that the different you know it did feel like voices like rather than sort of reading something that felt like it had been tightly controlled the whole way mm. through it really was exciting to like finish with an essay and then move into a different voice and I think that was sort of made the reading quite active as well like there, there are a few other books I've read this year where I've sort of been able to just sink into it a little bit and yeah I thought that worked really well um I I really one of the things that I found 
extremely exciting about the book is that everyone in there seems to be active in more ways than just writing or talking. And could you talk a little bit, um, sometimes I get a little, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sometimes I get a little um, maybe disheartened for sort of the the way that universities have sort of are losing that sort of critic and conscience kind of thing. But can you talk a little bit about the balance between someone who can talk and articulate these ideas and the activism that they're doing as well? Like this book sort of privileges experience, which I think mm. is really great. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I think we were particularly lucky uh, that we managed to get people who are both activists and thinkers but also people who could actually write as well, mm. which I think we just got by pure chance. <laughs> Sometimes the two don't always um, go together. So I think we were lucky in that sense. Um, but if it ever came down to a decision uh, for the book, I would have privileged people who could write. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't, you know, you can go to other sources for the activism, you know, you mm. can go to real life places mm. um, for activism, you can go on marches, you can join a union, you can join the student union, you can um, be active in student politics. But books and, you know, books and articles, newspapers, whatever it is, they're kind of the only places you can get good writing. Um, So I think sort of the good writing came before uh, the sort of secondary qualification of, you know, having lived through this or that. Mm. Um, And I I hope that's reflected in Mm. the book. I think it's reflected in the book. Um, You know, we were really lucky with Chloe to use her as an example. Again, um, she's a real live wire as a writer. Um, And someone who's, you know, worked her whole life um, in activism and worked often in hospitality out of principle, which Mm. is really, Mm. really Mm. interesting. Yeah. Um, and really, really powerful the way she speaks about it and the things she's seen and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I think it, in the end we were we were just lucky. <laughs> it was luck. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I just think um, yeah, it's it's um, above everything else. It is like a collection of some of the best writing I've read in ages. Like it is, it's exceptionally good writing. Did you did you think a little bit about who the audience for this book might be? Like that seems like a really lame question, but I mean, did you did you have a hope for the book or you know anything like that yeah uh, it was um i guess the brief was we were kind of speaking to ourselves or we're not right. speaking to ourselves but speaking to yeah. each other um and it's simply assuming that um there was an audience for that um yeah. at the very least an audience of you know people of our generational um people of the same sort of views as us um but there was no um no explicit sense of trying to pitch it to you know I don't know, decision makers mm. or, or even that very broad category of readers. Mm. Um, it was merely about, okay, just write this how you would write it to you know, your mate or um, whoever it is, which I think brought out the best in people because it took off the sort of pressure. You know, They didn't have to achieve anything yeah. out of writing this. They could just, you know, they could be their own writer. They could be themselves. Mm. Whereas if you're, I think often when you sort of write with an audience in mind, uh, you're not necessarily sort of writing to the gallery or playing to the gallery, um, but you do. I think you moderate yourself in a way you otherwise might not have, because um, you think, oh, you know, so and so won't like this, or so and so won't like that. They'll like this instead. Mm. Um, whereas without that audience in mind, you can simply be yourself. Mm. Um, so yeah, I thought that was 
that was the best way to go about it. Yeah, I think it's really successful. It's that interesting thing that, um, oh, I don't know, I don't know anything about this, but, you know, it seems that when you go particular, it has much more broader appeal. And mm. Yeah, it just has that, that canny way of doing that. Um, one question that... Um, I'm going to borrow this off Emily Perkins. She asked it at the City Gallery the other night. We had a book club and we this was one of the books we talked about. Um, she simply said um, the end of the interregnum is not simply a change in government. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what I really enjoyed what you were saying before about the way that maybe we're in a quieter time you know like there's the energy and the bluster but also there are other stages of this intermediate time could you talk a little bit about I don't, I don't even know how to um, phrase the question but just like where are we at at the moment as far as change goes um it's hard to say I think overseas it's really interesting because everyone's kind of converging on the center is how I see it mm. so you have all these ideas like say you know trump saying that uh some neo-nazis are very fine people um an idea from the lowest gutter of the lowest sewer suddenly <laughs> you know has converged on the center um and then you have people like bernie sanders and not drawing equivalents between the far left and far right but you have people like bernie sanders who can openly call himself a socialist and win uh you know millions of votes mm. in the process of doing it and he and you know be the most popular politician in the states at the moment so i that's kind of from the other end a really interesting sort of example of people converging on the center mm. um and we see it in the uk as well um where you know kind of far out ideas like brexit <laughs> and, um, <laughs> even even today uh tommy robinson the the edl guy the english english defense league guy um was sent to prison recently and about 15 to twenty thousand people marched for his release on the streets of London. Um, something unthinkable, like 10, 20, 30 years ago. Um, so again, another sort of example of these sort of far-out ideas or what were previously um, considered far-out right, uh, far ideas sort of converging on the centre. So I think that's kind of happening overseas. I'm not entirely sure what's happening here. <laughs> um, distance makes it easy to kind of spot things that are happening um, in other countries, whereas kind of proximity makes it a lot harder. So being, you know, a New Zealander and being sort of active in politics, it's a lot harder to see uh, the wood from the trees kind of thing. So I, I'm not entirely sure what's happening here. Uh, but I, yeah, I guess immigration's probably a really good example because you know we listen to trump and we're like whoa that guy's terrible he's saying crazy things about immigration you know they're taking our jobs they're rapists that sort of thing there's actually an anti-immigration sentiment has actually prevailed here already just in really polite terms it's oh they're buying our houses mm. um and you know the last government did really cruel things like um make it harder to get the family reunification visa which is really, really inhumane because you're saying to migrants, you don't have the right to a support network mm. when you're here. You don't have the right to a family and kind of creating these two classes, citizens and residents. You know, these are the people with a right to support and with a right to a family. You guys know. So I thought it was really inhumane um, and actually worse, mm. <laughs> worse than um, what's happening in a lot of other countries as well. Um, so yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of hard. I think we're 
slowly go in the same way as other countries it's just the way that it's expressed here <laughs> is a little bit different yeah and it just seems um yeah I, I yeah i totally agree sorry i'm just a bit blown away that was such an articulate answer and i was just thinking like i just saw a headline before we came in here about um I had great hopes for the um, three strike repeal um, and yeah that's been that's dead in the water because New Zealand mm-hmm. first doesn't like it and I think it, it's kind of it was kind of interesting reading this book because I feel like not only are we in this weird limbo kind of period but it feels almost like we've got a government that's almost in this strange push me pull you kind of situation as well and yeah it, it's such a such a bizarre time to sort of be alive um as far as the that's the thing that I found really interesting is this book is two years old like you say it's sort of pre-Trump pre-Brexit pre um Jacinda Ardern but like when I read it so many of the ideas seem so important and really refreshing and quite a good way to refocus myself on what's important if you know what I mean and I was thinking particularly about Chloe's um essay on um that's precarious Mm. work eh? yeah and and the other essay I was really interested in um is um Carrie Stoddart Smith's um one on um radical kaupapa Māori politics and just I don't know like there seems so much in here which is so useful now how do you think the book sits in the present moment like do you have any thoughts on that yeah it's interesting um and that I guess uh, the how do I put it? It's yeah. interesting in the parts that are prescient and the parts um, that are not. So kind of comparing my um, sort of discussion on the TPPA, which was not prescient, with Chloe's um, discussion of precarious work, where many of her ideas are now getting adopted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is amazing. And um, yeah. she was, you know, quite far ahead of the curve at the time when this was written. You know, she um, submitted her chapter in sort of late 2015. This was years before Labour had even sort of committed to uh, lifting the minimum wage, before they'd committed to uh, fair pay agreements to set a floor um, Mm. on wages. So, you know, Chloe was, you know, very far ahead. Um, And you could kind of, you could say that Carrie's um, chapter on radical kaupapa Māori politics was not prescient, but actually I think it was, and that now it is more valuable <laughs> than it ever was um, with the Māori Party out of Parliament. Mm. And with Labour taking uh, an interesting turn, I guess, on on questions uh, to do with Māori, I think her thinking is more important than ever. Um, and I think it's needed now. Needed, uh, like, the Labour Māori caucus needs to read it. Yes. <laughs> the Māori Party <laughs> needs to read it. Um, <laughs> So I think that's really interesting and in that kind of on a very on a really sort of shallow reading of it you would think that okay Carrie was not correct about where Māori politics is going but in fact she was like absolutely correct. <laughs> you know? It's really it was really amazing reading it and mm. especially in conjunction with um a couple of things you've written recently um like um the um, article, I think it's in the spin-off about Simon Bridges. Is I can't remember what's the title. Is it like Simon Bridges, maybe our first Māori yeah, Prime Minister? Yeah. yeah. And also the, uh, I thought your your um, analysis of Winston Peters was so interesting as well. And like it was through, it, like I read, um, I read this, and then I read the uh, essay in Interregnum, and then I read your articles, and I was just thinking, whoa, 
that, like I say, like if you'd read that in 2016, you would have thought, oh, and then the election went the way it did. But yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. What, um, that must be quite interesting, that idea of writing so close to events happening, eh? And I guess outlets like the spin-off must be really important for your writing because they can be turned around quickly. Mm, can mm, you talk mm. a little bit about what it is to write politics when politics seems to shift so quickly? Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it, there are two kind of two kinds of political writers. There are those who kind of sort of analyze politics as a game, so the day-to-day movements, um, and then there are those who don't. Mm. So those are usually the people who write from some kind of uh, principled position, uh, or it could be an ideological position and then there are those who simply just go with what's happening so you know people who are like Simon Bridges got up in parliament and said something really funny and it made Jacinda look really bad Mm. um, or vice versa Um, and I think it's kind of it's actually easier to write about politics if you're the second person Mm. if you're someone who's coming at this with a particular worldview and saying actually how do these events measure up against um, this worldview or how do these events measure up against these principles um, or these values. I think it's actually kind of perversely easier to be that kind of writer Mm. Um, and I guess I I hope I'm that kind of writer Um, because then writing actually means something. It's actually got some kind of permanence Mm. um, in the world where kind of, you know, the headline writers and... um, I guess the press gallery, do I feel bad about saying that? No. Um, (laughs) And I guess the press gallery, you know, those kind of writers, you know, their writing doesn't have that same kind of permanence, you know, it's ephemeral. Mm, um, mm. So I think that's, um, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's harder, it's harder to be that kind of writer, Mm. I think. (laughs) You you know, it's harder to actually generate content when you, you know, you're just riffing off, you know, mere events. Yeah. And it's such an interesting thing too. I was realising, um, like I my sort of crack cocaine at the moment seems to be political um podcasts and like I was finding myself just being whipped from side to side because as you say like sometimes it is about making content you know like sometimes mm. it is and I remember um the um there was a great election podcast that Radio New Zealand did and what was nice about that it was once a week so you didn't feel like there, there was sort of like this sort of thinking and then there were several thinkers there that were putting them up against politics of the right, politics mm. of the left and yeah, it was really interesting. It was really interesting. How do you what does your um like how what does a how do you explain your job to people? Like I'm doing inverse patterns <laughs> that you can't see those on the radio. But um yeah, how do you what yeah, what does your job look like on a day-to-day kind of basis? Yeah, I I don't really have a real job. I don't even... What's a real job? <laughs> well, <though? laughs> I, unfortunately, I have no idea yeah, anymore. Yeah, I just have no yeah. idea anymore. <laughs> Usually, I, you know, I tell people, oh, I write stuff. Um, and is it, That's what you we're know, all doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, what do you write about? Um, uh, <laughs> politics. Oh, <laughs> yeah. and no one wants to talk about it, you know? No. <laughs> you know, which is like a quintessentially New Zealand thing. Okay, we're going to avoid uh, not conflict, but any potential for conflict. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and politics just kind of, you know, sets alarm bells and, you know, people's yeah. eyes go red. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I just say writer 
and then yeah. people kind of fill in the blanks from there. Yeah. Because like, a writer can kind of be anything, can't they? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So do you sort of, um, like, do you think to yourself, I want to write about, what What makes you want, about, want to write about some things and not write about other things? It's only something that I, well, I'll only write about something that I have something to say about, which is kind of, you know, like a ridiculously obvious answer. It, um, it means so much. Yeah, Morgan, <laughs> yeah, it means yeah. so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll write about something if I think, okay, these thoughts um, are worthy of, like, putting down on paper or, you know, committing to screen. Um, and they're worthy of committing to screen or committing to paper because they're going to have permanence. That's kind of how I sort of navigate the difference. Mm. Like, okay, could I come back in a year and sort of say, okay, that was a useful thing. Mm, um, mm. Or will I come back in a year and think, oh my God, that's so embarrassing. Why did I write that? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I'm very grateful for that approach. You know what mm. I mean? Like I think I've, I've got a lot of strength and interest out of what you've written over the years. It's been, it's been really, really good. Um, can you, can we talk a little bit about uh, this? Um, I don't know how to do this how to say this but with Interregnum do you see an opportunity to redo this project again like is it something that could be done every three years or every four years or yeah what, what do you think about that oh that's a hard one um mm. I think it's worthy of doing again um but a different set of people doing mm. it certainly yeah. not me um probably not uh, the other writers in the book as well um, but a different set of people, um, perhaps a different set of people in the sense that maybe they are of a different generation to us because we have, uh, you'll see it in the book, you'll read it in the book, a very particular way of looking at the world and understanding the world and meeting the world. Uh, whereas, you know, people of a different generation might have a very different way of sort of meeting the world. So I think it would be useful, um, you know, if different people are always coming at it mm. rather than just the same people. Because if we did it again, it would simply be like a retrospective, which yeah. would be, you know, not, not that interesting <laughs> and not that useful. But, you know, with a different set of people and a kind of, I hate this word, um, fresh look. Yeah. Um, a fresh look at where things are at. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Really yeah. useful. It's, a, it's an awful word, but a good sentiment. Like, mm, yeah, mm. I, I think it is really interesting, that sort of thing. Like, um, like, that was one of the things I found really hard when I was reading this and kind of, it was really confronting and upsetting was that I realised that so many of the things that were being challenged in here I had just taken to be the status quo, you know, because I'm sort of a child of the 70s and 80s I was just like oh we always let the market decide mm, you know like mm, we you know mm. this is how we do it you couldn't and you know I remember my father asking once you know like how come we used to have you know how come we used to be able to have state-owned enterprises mm, <laughs> and how come mm, we used to be able to mm. have that and I was just like I was like what we used to have that you know and um <laughs> yeah I just think I just think that was what was so amazing about this is that I realized that in my framework, I think of New Zealand as one type of place, but the challenge in here is that it could be a different kind of place, mm, mm, which is mm. astounding and exciting. It's, it's very exciting. Um, are you working on anything like this at the moment? Uh, kind of sort of tangentially. I'm nice. doing a book on the history of protest and dissent oh. in New Zealand. So it's kind of... Um, well, actually, it's really closely related to um, <laughs> to these ideas of the interregnum. Um, so what we're doing in that book is kind of looking at eight, nine or ten moments of dissent 
in New Zealand history, ones that aren't really that well known about. Mm. Um, so, you know, Māori members of parliament who use te reo Māori in parliament um, and, you know, were booted out and, you know, kind of condemned by the newspapers um, because, you know, people don't know that you can actually use Māori in parliament up mm. until um, <laughs> the 1980s and then it wasn't, you know, used in any great um, in any great quantity until the 1990s. Um, you know, that's really sort of recent history. Uh, and, you know, stuff like that um, kind of, yeah, uh, we're sort of, steering away from the well-known ones mm. like the springbok tour and the the suffrage movement um waterfront lockout that sort of thing and looking at kind of the smaller moments um of dissent yeah so i i, I yeah i think it's closely related to the interregnum um i hope it's going to be closely related mm. to the interregnum the first chapter will probably be like the interregnum yes. <laughs> um i i was really interested in that idea like the way you're talking about these less sort of you know like famous kind of um things and i was thinking about the tppa protest and how that it did feel like it was um a little bit associated with occupy maybe but just this idea i remember a few older people sort of saying to me oh occupy what was it about and it just seemed like well maybe it was about that and that's really exciting that it was just about that you know like and um yeah maybe we need to get rid of this idea that we protest for something or at Mm, something mm. or you know and um yeah just like maybe there's a moment to sort of you know I don't know, revolt. Um, oops. Um, but yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's a really interesting thing. And like, that's what I really liked about reading that introduction about the TPPA, because that seemed so important, even though we ended up where we did, that seemed so important. It seemed like a real mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was really important. Um, sort of divorced from the actual sort of content so it's very important divorce from the tppa itself because it brought together all of these wildly different people you know mm, old mm. school hippies maori activists um politicians uh business people even um doctors nurses uh it was the very first or the only um protest or movement that i've seen that's united such a kind of wide range of people or so many different people mm. um you know unions unite kind of workers <laughs> student unions unite you know the students yeah uh whereas the the movement against the tppa it was kind of like seemed like it was everyone yeah <laughs> that's and, why i think it was important and do you think i mean this is um probably i don't, I don't know anything about anything but like this sometimes the the protest is about the moment isn't it you know like it does feel like for ages there had just been such it had been so freaking awful Mm. and then finally there seemed something really constructive Mm. that we could do you know it was like okay right that's the focus of our you know dissent and there we Mm. go Mm. yeah Mm. it's really interesting my goodness i can't wait for your new book I think I'm out of questions. Is there anything else you'd like to say? I think we pretty much covered it. We really did. We covered all the problems of the world. Yes, <laughs> and we fixed... Well, we didn't fix them. That's the other <laughs> thing I like about in here is that, like, so many of these essays, like, you'll read them and you'll think, oh, they're going to say we need to, you know, do this with the structures of politics and that. But often they say, we just need to dissent. We just yeah. need, to, <laughs> we just need mm. to be angry. And I really like it. It's such a good book. I just cannot recommend it highly enough. Thank you so much for coming and talking. Thank you for having me.